Welcome to the Thriving on Purpose podcast, where we teach Christian entrepreneurs how to build a strong foundation of faith, growth, and skill to lead and thrive on purpose in life and business. And now, here are your hosts, certified coaches, Elizabeth and Sebastian Richard. Hi everyone, Sebastian Richard here. I'm with my wife, Elizabeth Richard. And today we're so glad you joined us because we're going to talk about something that isn't talked about very much. And yet, if you're a Christian entrepreneur, which I'm sure you are because you're listening to this podcast, you have probably had the opportunity to live it. So the subject of this week's episode is five tips on how to do business with believers. Because believe it or not, it is not as easy as it seems. You know, I know what you're thinking. You're probably thinking, well, if you're dealing with a born-again, spirit-filled believer, it must be so easy to deal with such wonderful people. Not always. (laughs) And yet, as you will see, no, it's not always easy. And in fact, it can be very tricky because of the attitudes that we have when we're dealing with a believer, either, by the way, as someone who employs a believer to work for you, or someone who is employed by a believer to work for them. Uh, And we're going to see, first off, I want to talk about the two uh, negative attitudes that kind of destroy this whole believer working with believer thing, okay? So the two negative attitudes, one comes on the part of the employer, and the other comes on the part of the employee. So number one, from the client's perspective, so from the employer's perspective, some believers, when doing business with a brother or sister as a client, believe that they can cut a deal, right? I mean, they they approach this person, they know, uh, oh, Joe does, uh, I don't know, it can be anything, really. Uh, He does websites. I want to hire him uh, to do my website. I'm going to approach Joe, but I know since we go to the same church and he's done some work for other believers, I'm sure he's going to give me a good price, a good deal. Now, that's the first negative attitude. And I call that a negative attitude. And you might be like, well, I've done that in the past. What's wrong with that? You'll see as we go along, okay? So that's from the uh, the client's perspective. So when, when you're approaching someone uh, and, and you want to hire them for their services okay and from the workers perspective so when you as uh, an entrepreneur are hired to do work for someone else some believers when they are hired by a brother or sister believe they can take it easy since after all the brother or sister won't be carrying a whip now that's the other end of the spectrum i guess we could say that is negative and it's really the wrong attitude. This one is more obvious. I mean, we know that if we're hired, we're supposed to do good work because, hey, we represent God, we're, we're believers, and we're supposed to give quality work, right? We're supposed to do uh, work that will represent who we are. And since we're believers, we're children of the Most High God, it should reflect in the work we do, whatever that work may be. Absolutely. Okay, so on both counts, this is just the wrong attitude to have. So whether you're uh, someone who's looking for someone to hire or someone who is being hired, both attitudes should not be part of your mindset, okay, from the start as a Christian entrepreneur. And uh, my wife has a uh, story to tell. And before she gets into it, I just want to say that she's had a really bad cold this week <laughs> and, and nasty. I mean, she, she coughed and it, it was really, really bad. And sometimes I, I would turn to her and say, Am I, is this my wife or is this an old man? <laughs> and, and had to make a double take. And no, it was sure enough, it was Liz. So she's going to tell the story, but she's not going to talk that much during this episode. So I hope you'll be gracious and understand that uh, she can participate as much as she would like to this week. But she still has a really, really good story she wants to share with you guys because she lived this problem of a Christian hiring a Christian firsthand. So Liz, how did that go down for you? Yes, well, I uh, 
I'm going to start with the story that uh, happened in my family uh, years back. Um, my dad was looking for a Christian that was a, you know, do-it-yourself, handyman, electrician, and you know, there's a lot of uh, men that are good with their hands out there. So there was this incidence that happened in our home. Uh, we were uh, moving in after uh, losing my mom. We had decided to you know, move out and buy a new house, but it was not a new house. Well, it was a new home, but it needed renovations. So my dad hired a painter that he's known for many, many years. The man's not a Christian. So I'll just say the unbeliever. And he also was looking for somebody that can uh, do electric work and do different things. So he started talking in the church to different people and, um, one of the guys there said, yeah, I can do that. I can, you know, do the, the little jobs that you're asking for, uh, you know, that need electric attention and, um, you know, some other handyman work, no problem. So, so my dad's not at the house like the whole time because we don't live there, right? So it's kind of the situation where both workers, the unbeliever and the believer are working together to do the the different uh, assignments that are needed. And then my dad at the end of the day comes and checks what's been done and all that kind of keeps tabs, right? So my dad's known the unbeliever for like over 10 years. He's painted many times at our house. And so- He was a good worker. Yeah, he was a good worker, very reliable. And the new guy, the the believer was, uh, you know, a friend, a friend of the church, like somebody that we knew and, you know, we didn't know very, very well personally, but we knew who he was. And so, you know, we trusted and everything. So, so a few days go by and uh, my dad starts looking at the, the different things that they've been doing. And so the unbeliever takes my dad aside and says, look, I mean, uh, you know, you know how I'm good at taking breaks only half an hour and my dad's checked him many times and it's true like the guy the unbeliever takes his breaks like 15 minute break half an hour lunch that's it never passes very very reliable and he says your your friend you know he said he needed to go get something at uh, Home Depot like a warehouse store and he was gone for a really 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 long time like for a good two hours and he said, um, and then he came back with, you know, the, he was looking for a, he was supposed to put a doorbell, like this box on the wall. Uh, and he put it upside down and there was a bunch of other things, electronic, like with, uh, you know, the electricity part that he did. And it wasn't like, it was just a messy, messy job. Like the kind of job that, you know, holes in the wall, like there's so much patching to do after it was just horrible, right? So, so this unbeliever takes my dad aside and says, points all these things out and mm. he says, you know, you've been paying him more than you've been paying me as well because he apparently is more qualified than I am as an electrician and as this and as that. But I mean, I mean, look at what's going on, right? So he's in a position where he feels it's unfair. Mm. And, you know, my and my dad is very um, my dad was very verbal about his faith. So the unbeliever knew he was a Christian. It wasn't like a hidden thing. Yeah. You know, he knew that, uh, you know, like we had statue, we had a, even a statue of Moses in our in, in our <laughs> living room. Like you could remember that, you know, and like different things that they, they came back with when they went to Egypt and stuff on vacation, uh, you know, that were biblical things. And so like you couldn't hide it. And my dad was very verbal about his faith. So he had this decision to take, like, what do I do right now? Mm. Um, do I fire this guy? Do you know, I just I'm upset, you know, because I've got holes in my walls. I've got things that I'm going to have to pay more to get somebody else to fix. Mm. because this painter guy the unbeliever just paints he, he can't fix all that right yeah. so he was in a del delicate situation and so he took aside the believer and he said you know like privately and he said look you know I, I expected this and this and you know instead I got this and this and I think we can agree that you know the doorbell uh, is completely upside down doesn't work properly and there's a lot of things that that just don't work here, like the holes on the wall and whatnot. I'm kind of upset about that. 
and but he was calm like the whole conversation was calm and so the the believer the christian started getting really like heated and upset and created a scene and he stormed out and then my dad felt bad because he was like well you know and on top of that we found out later that this guy had been let go or something like happened at his job. Like we, so he was without so we work. Were, at yeah, the time. he was without work. So we we did this to help him out, not expecting this. You know that probably I guess there was a reason why he was let go. Maybe he just you know didn't know what he was doing or needed to learn different things before he could say that. You know mm-hmm. he's a sort of you know he's qualified to do this and get paid. I think it was like. 20 something dollars an hour and back in the day we're going back in the 1990s that was a lot of money yeah that was really you know you pay the guy at the hour and he's gone to the store for two hours and you know you see where this is going so Mm -hmm. the bill gets pretty hefty for you know not good work so the following sunday we are at church with our friends and everybody and his wife comes up to us in the gymnasium that's part of the church and then starts this scene and she's upset with my dad and she's very verbal and saying, how could you let my husband go? He's a good worker. Um, you can't just, you know, uh, cut this uh, contract. And uh, well, there wasn't a real official contract. It's, you know, kind of, you know what I mean? But it was, it was more like a verbal agreement. Yeah. it's And you get paid uh, every week. But um, she was just really, really mad, and it created a scene, and people were looking, and w- my dad just felt so bad because he was like, I just can't pay this guy just to please everybody. You know, mm. I can't be this nice guy for work that's not appropriate, that's not well done. Mm-hmm. You know, there, it's a service I'm paying for. He is a believer. I feel bad. He doesn't have a job, but that's not my problem. That's not my fault, right? Mm. So he had to stand his ground, and he tried to be nice about it and say, look, I'm sorry, but it just wasn't doing, you know, it just wasn't what we were looking for. And she didn't, he didn't want to, you know, bad mouth um, him in front of his wife and stuff. So he stayed polite, but it just, you know, created this big thing. And it got me thinking afterwards. And I was talking to my dad and I said, you know, this is kind of really sickening in the sense that a Christian is not able to say look, you know, I messed up and I didn't do what I was supposed to the right way. I'll try to fix it or pay me less or like, you know, it's not okay. The holes in the wall I did, I'm mm. going to fix them up. Like you you create the scene, you vent, you freak out, you leave, and then you go tell your wife that the uh, your boss is unfair and mm. whatnot. Like what kind of integrity is there, mm-hmm. you know? Exactly. And then like, and there's been many instances during the years that we've dealt with Christians for different, all kinds of different things. And it always seems that there's a lot of people, and I'm not saying they're all like that. I'm just saying that I've noticed personally that a lot of them are very, um, you know, oh, well, he's a brother in Christ. Uh, she's a the brother, she's a sister in Christ. So I can kind of like slack off a little. I can, you know, not, you know, give, like not put in my project when I'm supposed to because this non-believer. He'll understand because needs, I have other contracts with non-believers and these require to be on, on time, but he's a believer. So if I put him... In the back of those, he'll understand, right? That's how, that's the way you think, right? Sometimes. Exactly. And I've seen that a lot in churches. And yet, you know, and we've dealt with, um, you know, des- uh, home decorators and all kinds of people in the church that we've tried to, you know, uh, work with. And, and, you know, some have worked very well. Some have done really good work. And others, not so much because it's just that mindset of, you know, that's that person's a believer. They're going to accept if I just don't show up on a certain day or don't do it, uh, you know, fully lenient. well or, yeah, more lenient, lenient because my unbeliever uh, boss needs me and my other, you know, requirements. So, therefore, let me just, you know, not fulfill my responsibilities. And um, I also have lived that through people contacting us through Thriving on Purpose. I've also had, you know, people want me to invest in their business and you know how all kinds of propositions just thinking well you know they're a coaching business so you know they've got money they can just um you know 
they basically kind of owe me they're, a favor. They're Christians. They're going to be kind and help me out with my whatever needs. Yeah, right? exactly. Because, you know, I need this help and I need this and I need that. Well, you know, as a Christian entrepreneur, you have to learn how to start your own business. You have to learn how to offer skills. And, and you know, there's a lot that we can do as Christians to exchange um, skills, you know, to help each other out. But it has to be giving, giving. Yeah. And, and by the way, we're not saying we're we're not willing to give free advice or whatnot. I mean, there's we're very open to helping a fellow brother or sister believer when they come to us and they have a question or they need advice on something yeah we do not, like, we don't we charge do, for we everything. do initial yeah we do initial coaching calls that are more you know the kind of introduction and talking get to know the person and see how you can help the person out and then recommend different things that's uh, like a free consultation we call it that absolutely uh, is free but what i'm talking about is when you're you're going to approach another christian entrepreneur expecting the Christian entrepreneur that uh, is more advanced than you are, for example, in their business, uh, that they're going to, you know, lend a helping hand in the sense that they're going to give you some finances to help you out with your business. There has to be a real business uh, agreement there. There has to be skill for skill. There has to be something formal, yeah. Exactly. You know, it's not because you're Christians that you have to see this all twisted. Like, would you ask a non-Christian coaching uh, company for what you're asking exactly. no you wouldn't the truth is you wouldn't you're going to see this christian coaching company thriving on purpose because you want something out of it but you're not willing to give anything else back and it just doesn't work like that so i'm just giving that as an example but i know that a lot of you christian entrepreneurs have probably had different experiences i know a lot of them have um i was actually really uh appalled and and frustrated um, my dad, my dad has a home near a uh, Christian complex where they, you know, it's like a vacation area and, uh, they do a lot of great things for ministries to help young people and to, to you know, to help the elderly and seniors and keep busy and doing things for God. And it's all good, but there's a lot of that that's, you know, um, give me a service because we're a Christian organization and we will not pay you. So mm -hmm. there's a lot of that, you know, there's a difference between what is ministry and what you're doing together as a ministry. And there's a difference between, you know, asking people to do a job mm -hmm. like sorting the mail for the company or, uh, I don't know, mopping floors or, you know, uh, cleaning dishes or whatever it is to make the place go to function yeah. and not pay them. Yeah. You see, like for me, unless the person comes to you and offers out of the goodness of their heart, say, hey, I would, I would like to do this for yeah, your ministry and, because I God put it on my and, heart. That's a completely different yeah, matter. Exactly. And you see, and my dad and I said to my dad, I said, look, you're not 70 yet. I said, if you want to work, why don't you just ask that Christian complex for a job? And he said, I went, I tried. He said, I wanted to sort some mail to do something to get a, a small salary, a part time job. And he says, they told me that, no, they just take people in that are willing to do yeah, the work for free because yeah. they're retired and they're like, oh, I've got nothing else to do. And so, you know, there's I, I just don't agree with that. Personally, I don't agree with that. I think, well, that like I said, work if the work, person wants to do it out of the goodness of their heart, that's one thing. But at the same time, I mean, if you're going to ask someone, well, be ready to pay. I mean, you should you should be willing to pay them compensate them for yeah time but if you're a christian effort. complex that has people paying to stay there and listen to conferences and it's a vacation resort they've got money coming in it's yeah, not they like they're a church that is living off of uh you know you know funds that are I coming in from people i get it i totally get you it know? yeah yeah i get it so you heard the story i'm sure liz is not alone uh, i'm sure some of you have lived something similar Maybe you were in the place of uh, Liz's father, or maybe you were that Christian who didn't do proper work and got reprimanded, and maybe you learned from that, and maybe you grew from that. I'm, I'm hoping you did if you were in the other position. But either way, uh, we see how problems can occur when a believer hires another believer. It is not as clear-cut as saying there are two spirit-filled believers and it's going to go just honky-dory. And you know what? I would go as far as to say, because I've had these thoughts, and I know my dad's had these thoughts, 
that a lot of us don't even want to deal with business with Christians to avoid all these problems. Because you've been burned. Yeah, because yeah. a lot of us are like, you know what? It's too complicated. We go to church with these people and then it just becomes sour milk and just these awful, you know, encounters with these people if things don't go properly. Because you don't know. Like, you can just hire somebody and think, oh, that person's going to deliver and it's going to be great and everything's going to be fine and we're working together. And I'm not saying you shouldn't. I'm just saying that we should all be, the points that we're going to mention, we should all take these points seriously so that we're able to work together as brothers and sisters in Christ, but doing business the way business should be done and not uh, expect anything less or more yeah, because yeah. of it, right? Yeah, so absolutely. That not, so that a Christian will want to work with a Christian, not have go. this mindset, not have this idea in his head, oh no, he's a Christian, I can't ask him. Yeah. If things go wrong, I have to go to church and see him again, yeah. you know? Yeah, and it shouldn't, it shouldn't be. It just shouldn't be in the kingdom of God and, and among believers that those problems just shouldn't arise. So today, we're not just going to talk about the problem, because obviously we've talked about that right now so far. We're going to offer you solutions. So we're going to go in five points. The five points you should keep in mind when working for or hiring a fellow believer. So point number one. Honor the Sabbath. Honor the Sabbath. Very simple, straightforward. Give your worker a day off. You're a believer. He or she is a believer. So remember the Sabbath day. On that day, nobody will work. Not you. And remember the commandment, how it's, how it's phrased in Exodus. Not you, not your son, nor your daughter, nor your male or female servants, which is the equivalent back then of your employees. Okay, so you should honor the Sabbath as a simple way to establish when the day off is going to be or, or like there's you you're not working seven straight days. You're getting a day off because that's the way we do things. Simple as that. And we did a really, really good episode on, on honoring the Sabbath and what it entails and what it's about today in 2018. How should we honor the Sabbath? Because it's gotten somewhat more complicated because we're not. Um, like in the Old Testament days where the whole congregation or the whole um, society back then under Moses was honoring the Sabbath and it was a general rule for everyone. Now it is not. So how do we deal with that? Well, we did a really good episode. It's, it's episode 22. 10 things Christian entrepreneurs need to know about the Sabbath. So if you're interested in knowing more about that, you should go listen to that. Point number two. Always give fair wages. Always give Fair wages. I know it sounds quite obvious, like, duh, you know, I mean, seriously. But like we mentioned, oftentimes the Christian is, uh, who hires a, another Christian can have the mindset of, I'm going to try to cut a deal, get it cheaper because he's a brother or she's a sister. That is not the way to do it. You should always aim to give a minimum of a fair wages so don't be cheap okay in fact i think the exact opposite should be your aim hire a brother or sister and then compensate them for a job well done so go above and beyond in your compensation if it's a brother or sister because you want to encourage them See, it should be the, the, the opposite of what you might have set out for in the first place. Uh, Leviticus 19.13 says, Do not defraud or rob your neighbor. Do not hold back the wages of a hired worker overnight. There are many ways to hold back wages. You know, uh, trying to cut a deal is a very subtle way to hold back fair wages. And also in 1 Timothy 5.18, we read, Do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain, and the worker deserves his wages. And by that, it is meant deserves fair wages. Not just pay him what you owe him, but pay him something that is equivalent to the work he put out. Okay? And so, like I said, fair wages are a bare minimum when you hire a fellow believer. And you should aim to bless them more in your compensation rather than try to save a few dollars. 
Absolutely. If you're in means and you see that the person's starting out, I'll just give you an example. Um, let's say you're rebranding and you approach a Christian entrepreneur that's in graphic arts to do your rebranding and you know that they're starting out. Well, it's your decision whether um, you want to pay whatever she's requiring or he's requiring. If they say, normally I charge this amount, that's a fair amount. Okay, you pay that amount. If you believe that God's putting it on your heart to give more because you can give more and you know that person's starting out, then be my guest, do it. God will obviously be very happy and yeah. you're going to, you know, do something, a good service, a good and, act, and the, right? And in the instance that you are ultra satisfied with the work they did, because right. some workers go above and beyond, you're ultra satisfied. They, they went above the call of duty. They did so much and you're like, wow, they blew my mind. I can't believe they did it so well. Well, if it is on your heart to give more, go right ahead. Yeah. You know, like you, you can say to the person, uh, I know you said 200, but you did so well. Here's an extra 100 or here's an extra 50. Uh, I remember uh, when we moved to the house we're in now, we hired Christian, uh, well, not Christian movers. We hired a, a movers and the owner of the company we didn't know was a Christian. And the movers, when they took our furniture from the old house to bring it into the new house, they did a very, very poor job and they were very, they were slacking off left and right. And I'm not the type of guy to get angry, but this time I got angry. I, I mean, it, deservedly so. I mean, they were really abusing of my time and my patience. So I called the boss of the company. I was really upset, but I didn't know he was a Christian. But I just said, look, here's the situation. Here's what happened. And here's what I saw. And here's like, I'm, and I'm not the type of guy to do this usually, but I'm really, really angry right now because uh, I, they abused of my kindness, my patience, and my, my time and money. So the, the guy at the other end, like I said, I didn't know him, didn't know the owner. Because they get paid by the hour, right? Yeah, and, and he said, uh, actually it was a set price, but nonetheless, actually... And, yeah, and but we didn't want it to take that long. Exactly. Like it was really, I mean, really, it was too really, long. I finished, it was like something like 10.30 at night, and it should have been done by 7. Yeah, easily. and we had a, a, a... I was pregnant, and we had our little girl that was really young, too, so yeah, it was and, like and, and, and not I was, easy. I was, it's, it was rightful anger, okay? Yeah. And it, that my wife could testify to that. I don't get angry often, but this time it was right, uh, righteous anger. Mm. And... He got a piece of me, uh, maybe a little more than I, I wish I, I would have given him because it, technically it wasn't his fault. He wasn't there. But he said to me, he said, uh, g g give me an hour, I'll get back to you. I said, okay. And uh, he called me back. He says, you know what, my apologies. And I can assure you, that's what the man said, I can assure you that when we bring your furniture, because our furniture had to be in storage, long story anyway, furniture had to be in storage. They couldn't bring it right away. So a few days later when they brought it, he said, I can assure you that when we bring your furniture, this will not happen. And the man kept his word. He was there with the workers. And it wasn't the same bunch of workers as the first time. There was only one of them who was uh, part of the same group. And actually, ironically, the one who was there was one of those who actually did work well the first time around. So I had nothing against him, no, no bone to pick with him at all. But anyway, so he showed up with the workers and they worked like horses i mean these guys emptied that van did everything i asked put everything where i wanted it and they did it in record time they really went at it i, I, I mean they, they didn't even take a break and so uh it was time to leave it was uh, nine o'clock at night or something like that and uh, i went to the the owner uh, the boss and i said thank you very much for rectifying the situation um, I know we agreed. I don't remember the amount. Uh, let's say it was five thousand. I said I know we agreed on five thousand. Here's an extra ninety bucks for you, you and your guys. You can stop for burgers on the way out or whatever. Like give them a little bonus or something. And he was impressed because ninety dollars is not a bad deal. Like you know, uh, it's not something you get every day. Uh, uh, like most people will say, you you said five thousand. Here's five thousand, not a cent more because they don't want to pay more. Especially if things went sour. The Especially first time. if when things went sour. And he was very appreciative and, and we got to talking and he told us uh, that he, he was a Christian and his son was a Christian. He told us where his son went. He said, if you guys are looking for a good church, where you are now. Nah, nah. So long story short, we learned that he was a Christian. So he rectified the situation. And, and uh, I thought this, this was amazing. This was, was a, a, 
it finished well. I mean, the as sour as it started, uh, it, he did rectify the situation and all to his honor because I still remember him as a good person that I would do business again with because it was not his fault. Right. He has no, like, there's so much that you can tr control, right? Especially if you're not with the, the people that you hired. Um, and just to finish off on this point, when it comes to fair wages, this is really important. Do not expect a Christian to lower their prices because you are a Christian. That is up to them if they decide to do so. There you go. So don't, you know, I've had people approach me for stuff that has to do with graphic arts and websites and stuff because I, I'm pretty good at that. Wanting me to do it for them because they're a Christian for like 50 bucks. Like, completely ridiculous like, prices seriously like it takes so like so, it takes quite so a bit of time you want to, to pay this. me 35 cents an hour wow <laughs> that's awesome yeah so i mean you know you have to give the person what they would normally charge an unbeliever that's the minimum if they wish to bless you and say you know what you're you're a friend in christ and i like you and whatnot and i i'm gonna do it you know for a hundred bucks less less for example let it come from them. Don't expect to give for them to give you less just because you're a Christian. You know, there you go. expect to pay what they normally would pay. If you go see a lady that bakes cakes and she charges thirty-five bucks, don't expect her to give your you make you a cake for your kids for twenty bucks because you're a Christian that goes to that church. You know what I'm saying? Because in doing so, you're not acting like a Christian. You're exactly. just acting like a cheapskate. Exactly. There you go. Uh, number three show integrity again i mean this is the obvious stuff and uh, i feel kind of stupid doing having to point out this stuff but and yet it's something that is it's not always done even by believers and it's it's a shame as a worker if you're hired as a worker be on time don't take longer breaks Give the project when it's due, or if you didn't finish, at least have the decency to write an email, say, hey, can I have an extra day? Uh, I didn't get time to, to catch up with what I wanted to give you, and I really want to give you quality work, whatnot. But be professional. Show integrity. Be a man or woman of your word. And as an employer, if you're hiring someone to do, whether a website or moving your furniture or painting your house, Honor your word as well. So give everything you said you would. If you agreed on a set price, don't go back on it. And if your worker is of the opposite sex, show respect at all times and avoid even the appearance of evil. Just like 1 Thessalonians 5.22 says. So avoid even the appearance of evil. Now we're going to open a can of worms here. And this point on integrity, because I think it's necessary to do so. Uh, talking about uh, working with someone of the opposite sex, I think it's important to address it. We all know the controversy that came from last year's uh, Me Too movement. Um, it was all over the news. Uh, and uh, the evangelical church was not spared. Some evangelical leaders were accused of grave sexual misconduct with women. And it really affected greatly the church's testimony, believers' testimonials. Uh, and it basically, it's, it's just a slap in the face of God when we do things that shame us like that as a, as a church, as a body of believers. Billy Graham and... More recently, Mike Pence, the vice president of the U.S., they have a rule, okay? Billy Graham passed away, was it last year, Liz? Yeah. Billy Graham always taught to never be alone with a woman unless she is your wife. And not only did he teach it, but everyone who knew him could attest to the fact that Dr. Graham made it a point to never, ever, under no circumstance, be alone with any other woman than his wife. And I know that you might say, well, it's 2018 and there's so many women in the workforce and women in business. How can you even avoid this? And I know it poses more of a problem than it used to uh, back in the 50s when Dr. Graham perhaps made that decision. I understand that. But nonetheless, I think it's a, it's a good rule of thumb to have. Uh, and the same way, by the way, if you're a woman, 
uh, and you're in business and you're hiring some guy to be your graphic artist, it should be, or, or whatever else, it should be the same thing. It should be the same rule should apply because <laughs> there's an expression in French that says, tente pas le diable. <laughs> and that's a way of saying, don't tempt yourself. Don't put yourself in a situation where the temptation could overtake you. And to talk about that, uh, the, what is called, what is known online as the Billy Graham rule, here's a clip uh, where Kirk Cameron, the actor, speaks about the rule and the two sides of the camps, how they see the rule. So I'm going to play you that clip where Kirk Cameron addresses the Billy Graham and more recently Mike Pence rule. So and listen to that clip, it's very interesting. Should married Christians be alone with members of the opposite sex? I have some friends who would say, absolutely not. That's just categorically inappropriate. The Billy Graham rule, uh, Vice President Mike Pence. Billy Graham travels with a companion always so that he doesn't even give off the appearance of evil. He's never alone with a woman in a hotel or a taxi cab or an elevator. Uh, why give your spouse reason to even question or be concerned? Then I have other friends who would say, that's just not realistic. In today's day and age, we work with people of the opposite sex. Of course, we're going to have to be uh, alone on a plane, uh, in a car. We're working together on things. And that if you have wise safeguards in place, you shouldn't feel guilty or concerned about that. You know your intentions. Uh, and if you have self-control, there's really not a problem. Should married Christians be alone with members of the opposite sex? What do you think? Okay, we're back. So, Kirk doesn't tell us what to think. You can kind of tell which way he, his heart is at. You, you can tell he's one of the Billy Graham adherents. He thinks it's a safer way to go. But uh, it's fun. I like the way he presents it. He says, what do you think? What do you think about the two camps, what they, how they see it? And personally, I'm going to give you my personal opinion. I know uh, Elizabeth agrees with that. Uh, right, Liz? Right. I think the Billy Graham rule is a very safe one. And for those of you who are on the other camp and say, oh, well, we're in 2018 and we should, you know, show self-control and just, you know, be masters of our domain and, and, and exercise self-control. Well, remember, self-control and good, on, good intentions can only go so far. Remember the words of the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. And that is for everyone. It is very subtle. Sin is subtle. And you can think yourself strong, but you're probably not as strong as you think you are. Okay? And I like the way uh, the book The Imitation of Christ puts it. When it's come to, it comes to the particular situations where we um, overestimate our capacity to deal with potential sin. In The Imitation of Christ, the, the author says something along those lines. He says, uh, you don't really know what you're capable of sin-wise. So take heed. Be, be careful. You don't know what, what uh, lows you can, how low you can go. <laughs> Uh, in other words, our own sinful nature is very subtle and deceitful. And in order to avoid potential problems, we should be over-careful. It's better to be over-careful than under-careful and then pay a price later, like uh, last year's evangelical leaders that, that had problems and some of them lost their ministries, some of them were uh, bashed in the media, and it was really bad. It was a lot of bad cases out there. And like I said earlier, I understand that women have come a long way in the workplace and in business, and I get that, and I, and I don't want to say this uh, in a way that would uh, put women at a disadvantage, and I don't think it does put them at a disadvantage. But I understand why some have questioned it uh, in 2018, the Billy Graham rule, is it, is it still applicable? Isn't it uh, prohibitive to women's emancipation and... Well, here's the thing, okay? We, as a culture, we have become too familiar with the opposite sex. This is what, this is my personal belief, okay? We've become too familiar. Men have become too familiar with women, and women have become too familiar with men. 
And this leads to sinful behavior. Remember the words of Shakespeare? Familiarity breeds contempt. As men and women of God, we are to avoid circumstances that could lead to even the appearance of evil. So Dr. Graham knew that, and he knew that even if a journalist or a paparazzi was in the, in the area and took a picture of him alone with another woman, it could go viral in the press, and it could have damaged his reputation as a man of God. He didn't even want to show the appearance of evil, let alone engage in downright sinful behavior. So he was playing it safe. And you know what? That shows wisdom. It doesn't show cowardice. It doesn't show uh, backwards thinking or old school mentality. It actually shows wisdom. And we should all show wisdom in our relationships and uh, in integrity uh, in our relationships in 2018 when we do business. So uh, some have said, well, if, if, you're gonna, uh, if you're working with a woman, it's always good to keep your off office door open, right? So that everybody can see what's going on in your office. Well, that works great until you're the only two in the building, right? So again, even, and even then, like, you don't even want to chance that, like, in a way, because let's say uh, it's late at night and it's the janitor is the only one and you, you think he's on the second floor and you're on the third floor and, and you're, you know, and your office door is open. That doesn't mean you won't try something or, or the other person won't try something. So you got to be real careful with that and not apply it as a rule. Obviously, it's good advice. Keep your office door open at all times. You're going to eliminate a whole bunch of problems, but it's not an end-all, be-all solution. And it's, yeah, and, you know, there's a difference for different reasons. You might go see your pastor. You want to talk to your pastor. Well, if you're a woman, you're by yourself, it's a good thing for you to ask to talk to both, to his, to have his opinion and his wife's opinion. You know, there's uh, different ministries out there, people that work together as a couple. You know, there's very delicate situations out there concerning that. But even when it comes to when we're talking business, business, um, let's say you're a coach, for example. Well, you know, you can leave your door open and your wife's in the house. She can hear the conversation. It's... um, or it could be things, in an open space too. It and... keeps things business related. You won't have the same conversations and she won't say the same things knowing that there's somebody else like, like your secretary not far or your wife as opposed to you being one-on-one alone, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, ministry is ministry, business is business, but generally I think we should all take uh, precautions for our own self to stay with a you know conscious a clean conscience and to act in integrity you know if you're a man or you're a woman you don't put yourself in situations where there's no witness or there's nobody that can attest to the fact that you're doing things the way you should be doing them right so yeah definitely acting in integrity is the is one thing that should always be part of your behavior as a christian in business whether you're hiring someone or whether you're working with someone, okay, or for someone. Number four. Over-deliver. 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 Don't just deliver. Over-deliver. Do not abuse of the kindness of a fellow believer. Work harder if you have to as a contractor. Exceed expectation because you work for a fellow believer for a brother or sister, and not just that, for a son or daughter of the king. As an employer, encourage more, praise more. Give them a bonus like we spoke of earlier. If your heart tells you to do so, give them a bonus. Give them more. Here's what I found in my years of working with people. You cannot overpraise with sincere appreciation. You cannot overpraise people's good work with sincere appreciation. Don't be fake. Like, don't overpraise by being fake. But if, you, if it's in your heart and you're like, you're really amazed by what they did, go just tell them so. Don't hold back. My dad used to have this attitude of, uh, I won't tell this person how great they are because then they're going to have a, they're, <laughs> they're going to be puffed up. Well, I, I used to tell him my dad, if they're puffed up, it's their problem, not yours. Really, seriously. If they become puffed up because you praise them, it's not your problem. It's theirs. Okay? 
So don't be afraid to give more praise than the, to, to overpraise than underpraise. Okay, and remember the rule. I talked about this in a previous podcast. For every one word of constructive criticism, you should give five words of praise or appreciation. Okay, so that's a good ratio, a very good ratio. And if you can't do that, if you can't give five positives for one negative, well, here's what you should question. Number one, you should question, number one, your leadership. Maybe if you can't do it, it's because for some reason you're afraid to give praise or uh, something's wrong with you or maybe your approach or maybe you have a negative, maybe you tend to see only the negative and, you know, you need to work on yourself if you can't do it. So you need to look at your leadership. Or number two, if you can't do it, well, maybe the person you hired just isn't any good. It happens. <laughs> we, you can hire a lemon, even if he's a believer. I mean, we talked about that earlier, and Liz's story demonstrated that very well. So it's one or the other. So if you can't give praise to your employee, well, it's either your leadership or it's them. But either way, the mistake is still with you. It's still on you because you're the one who hired them. Absolutely. I think it's so important as a Christian leader to over-deliver. I think that's one of the things that um, will stand out in the eyes of a non-believer, you know, because we oftentimes work in, amongst unbelievers or unbelievers come to our businesses. Mm -hmm. And I think that if you over-deliver and you shine like Jesus would want you to, to be this, you know, leader that praises people and uplifts people, encourages them to become better, then I think that's going to show, you know, unbelievers are going to notice a big difference because there is a very big difference between non-Christian leadership that oftentimes that is lacking in. A lot of times it's a very dominant leadership and there's no praise, there's no rewards, there's no encouragement. And there's no, you know, I want you to become a better person. It's just give me what I want and I'll give you salary. So I think that if you over deliver, that is a really great way to make God proud and to, for you to stand out as a Christian leader amongst those that you're working with to have a positive impact so that people actually see a difference between a non-believer and a Christian that's in a position of leadership and think to themselves, wow, you know, this person's different. They've got something different. And then want to find out a little more about your beliefs. You know, there's been a lot of stories out there of good Christian men, Christian leaders that have demonstrated this and other people as a result have become saved because of their examples. And that brings us to number five, always keep the end in mind. Yeah, we're, we're told this often, right? In, in, uh, in personal development, always keep the end in mind. Always keep the end in mind when you're starting a project, when you have a vision, when, you, when you're starting out on something. Always keep the end in mind. Well, guess what? As a kingdom entrepreneur, you ultimately work for God. That is your end in mind. You should always keep. So if you are hired by a fellow believer, keep in mind, working for a son or daughter of the Most High God is no small thing. And likewise, hiring a son or daughter of the Most High God is no small thing. Treat them well and bless them more. The scriptures give us good guidelines when it comes to the employer-employee relations. Ephesians chapter 6 verses 5 to 9 says this, Slaves, Obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do whether they are slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. And Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not 
for human masters. That is a great rule of thumb. And that that's what always keeping the end in mind should be for a kingdom entrepreneur, okay? And since the beginning of this podcast, we've had many examples where we saw when it goes sour, when the relationship goes sour. And we've looked at what to do to avoid that. So the five points we looked at were what to do to avoid that. But sometimes, even if you do all that, you know, as the Bible says, uh, so much as it depends on you, be, on, be in peace with everyone. But sometimes it doesn't depend on you, right? Sometimes you did everything you had to and it still goes south. It still goes sour. Whenever a believer hires another to do a work, it should always be done in peace, integrity, and harmony, but it's not always the case. Sometimes in business, and as we've seen even with believers, things go really bad. In the scriptures, we are reminded of what happens when our carnal natures take over. The Corinthian church was filled with problems. Anybody, anyone who's familiar with the, uh, the first and second epistle to the Corinthians knows this, okay? And one of those problems was that some believers were suing other believers over small matters. And Paul addressed that very problem in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 to 9. Here's what we read, okay? So it's a, quite, a, quite a bit of a mouthful. So 1 Corinthians 6, 1 to 9. Suppose one of you wants to bring a charge against another believer. Should you take it to ungodly people to be judged? Why not take it to the Lord's people? Or don't you know that the Lord's people would, will judge the world? Since this is true, aren't you able to judge small cases? Don't you know that we will judge angels? Then we should be able to judge the things of this life even more. So suppose you disagree with one another in matters like this. Who do you ask to decide which of you is right? Do you ask people who live in a way the church disapproves of? Of course not. I say this to shame you. Is it possible that no one among you is wise enough to judge matters between believers? Instead, one believer goes to court against another. And this happens in front of unbelievers. And the, so you can see the Apostle Paul is like in disbelief. He's like, how, how could you have taken it this far? And then he finishes saying this. When you take another believer to court, you have lost the battle already. Why not be treated wrongly? Why not be cheated? Instead, you yourselves cheat and do wrong. And you do it to your brothers and sisters. Don't you know that people who do wrong will not receive God's kingdom? I love that last part because it puts everything in perspective. So the apostle here is reminding us of the importance of a very clear principle that we've been taught, that we all know, of turning the other cheek, especially with brothers and sisters. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 39 and 40, the Lord himself reminds us of this. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. So basically, God is telling us that it's better to, in other words, lose money in a bad business transaction than to take a brother or sister to court. Because guess what? God knows what you have lost. And God sees when you turn the other cheek. And guess who's going to reward that? Him. He's going to reward that. And before we conclude this episode, let's listen to Pastor John Piper Talk about that very problem, the problem of believers suing believers or just going to court to settle matters. Uh, John Piper was asked that question and he addresses it. And we get some really good wisdom in this clip. And uh, I want you guys to take a, have a good listen because uh, Pastor Piper has a lot of wisdom here. Listen to this. In what circumstance would it be okay, if at all, for a Christian to sue a non-Christian person or a secular institution. 
Um, I don't see any situation in which it would be okay to sue um, a Christian. And I'm trying to think, because of 1 Corinthians 6, why do you go to law against each other? And Paul gives a couple of reasons why he says that. One is, don't you have judges among yourselves who can work this out? But his bottom line is, why wouldn't you rather be wronged than to sue a brother? So he's got layers, which is so interesting because if you think the bottom layer, Paul, why would you even entertain the possibility of judges being involved? Why don't you just say to Corinth, uh, if someone wrongs you, return good for evil? Period. End of discussion. On to the next issue. But instead, he says, aren't there judges among you who can help you? And the reason is because he's willing to deal with imperfect people who aren't able to rise to that level. Or there are times when he thinks it would be right. And we had a situation in our church where a person bought a house from another Christian in the church and discovered something about the house that they were not informed about. It got really ugly. But I think we, I remember how this actually went so long ago. I think we were able to do it with Christian arbitration rather than legal. So that would be, that would be the preference. I, I, don't, I can't think of any reason why a Christian would take another Christian to court. Peacemakers ought to go to peace with each other. And I can't, I can't, what you want to do is model for the world that you're not a lover of money. And uh, I, I don't want to be hesitant to, to make a sweeping statement about the world where, where um, somebody has in business so cheated you that you've gone bankrupt and they're sitting pretty and there's plenty of legal recourse to see that justice be done and some recompense be made, it may be that there would be a non-greedy way to say to that person, you can't get away with this. You can't get away with this. But I'm really hesitant because the drift of the New Testament is... Um, do not return evil for evil. So you'd have to check your motives real carefully. Okay, we're back. We really, truly hope that this episode has uh, blessed you, has given you some really, really good pointers in how to do business with believers because it is not as easy as it seems and it is not always clear-cut that it's gonna go honky-dory. Um, Liz, anything to add? Yeah, I think that um, there's a lot of points here to really think about in our conduct and different things that we said. I think that if we apply um, the, these principles and um, these verses in our lives that we're, we're gonna have good uh, business relationships with believers. But I think And that unbelievers as well. They work with both. Exactly. And I think, you know, that's that's the most important thing, especially if you're dealing with unbelievers, is to always remember that you are to be a reflecting image of Christ. So what would Jesus do? How would Jesus react? How would Jesus uh, deal with a certain situation with an unbeliever or with a believer? And uh, always be thinking in your business as a Christian entrepreneur, as a kingdom builder, that you're working for the Most High, you're working for the King. Is He proud of how you're conducting your business? Is He proud of your integrity, of how you're doing things? I think we always have to put ourselves in check because sometimes we kind of are too focused in the four walls of our business and the people inside and we forget who's watching. So I think that's a good gauge for us to constantly be wondering, you know, did, did I do things properly today? Did do you think that your king, God, is proud of you? And if not, then look for solutions on how you can change things. So this concludes our episode for this week. We really sincerely hope that this has blessed you and that it's going to transform your business. 
And uh, guys, if you like it, if you feel blessed and encouraged by our program, don't hesitate. Leave us a great review on iTunes. Is it still called iTunes, Liz? Uh, I think it's Apple Music now. Apple Music. I'm old school. I call it iTunes. I'm still stuck or with it. Or wherever you're listening from, you can put it on iTunes. You can put it on Google Play, um, on Stitcher. Or you can just reach out to us and say, hey, guys, this really helped me. And thank you so much. That is fine, too. We just love getting your uh, your feedback on our episodes. And we had a, a lady recently who did that uh, on one of our episodes. Uh, it really, really helped her uh, more than than usual and it was great to read her reaction yeah and you can also go on our website directly thrivingonpurposepodcast.com that's the podcast page and in the show notes on the bottom you always have a comment section where you can uh, leave us your feedback and if you have any suggestions on different topics that you want us to cover in the upcoming episodes we're always happy to hear what you guys have to say so be blessed and thrive on Thanks for listening to the Thriving on Purpose podcast. Be sure to visit thrivingonpurpose.com to access the show notes and to discover more fantastic content. Until next time, be blessed and may you thrive on purpose.